All right, let's do it. Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. Each and every week, I have the pleasure of talking to business leaders, entrepreneurs, and, and, and just people who are doing big things. And my guest today, Lee Moore Bergman, she is absolutely doing big things in the world of business by helping with mentorship. She is a speaker. She is doing so many things for helping businesses be more inclusive, uh, talking about work from home remotely, like all the things that we all care about. So welcome to the show, Limore. Hi, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So tell us about yourself. How did you come to, I know you've been in the tech, tech industry for a long time, but tell me about you early days. Like, What was your first job? Yeah, sure. So I started with high school. And the reason I started with that is because uh, I, I feel like when I went to school, we were classified. We we're classified either as someone who is good with science, with STEM, mm -hmm. or with humanity, literature, you know, stuff like that. So I was good at math. So I was classified from high school uh, intentionally or unintentionally as like good, good in exact science, basically, mm. which led me, which that led me to choose a career in tech. I'm not saying that as a bad thing, but today, looking backwards, I see so many things that I have to give to the world. And that's why I chose to change my career. But kind of want to emphasize that, that uh, we, we need to be open-minded about our capabilities. But I, kind I, of, you know. I, yeah. I love what you're talking about. It, it hits home very close to me and to a lot of entrepreneurs. As you know, many of us like just didn't fit that box. So I have this conversation a lot in this community, you know, people who dropped out of college because they didn't feel like they fit. Maybe they had some learning um, challenges and, and all those things for some of us led to, hey, you don't fit. Actually, we don't even classify you. You are unacceptable. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's OK, because some of us went on to do bigger things. But I love that you're talking about that, anymore such a great way to sort of position the conversation early days where you're right. They classified, but today the, 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 the system is still classifying us, right? Uh, it is, but I think less than it used to. And um, I see that at least um, looking at my kids and the high school system, I, I moved back to Israel after spending nine years in the U S okay. and in the U S I mean, I see that they have a lot of options and you can choose what you're passionate about even in middle school and in high school, which is mm. great. Also here, things evolved over time, which I'm happy to see. And you can, you can choose, you know, what, what, what interests you. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I was at high school, I had to choose, like, if I want math, I have to do with physics mm. and chemistry. I couldn't just combine things because, for example, I wanted to study French mm -hmm. in high school and mm -hmm. I couldn't. It wasn't a possibility. I have to choose. So, so I think it started there and then led me to a career in tech. Okay. And I studied computer science and accounting in university and then started actually on, on the third year, I started already working as a part-time software engineer and then, you know, continue working at the same company and then moved on. Uh, yeah. And I started my career as a software engineer. Wow. What, what do you think back in those days was the most challenging thing for you? I think I felt very insecure mm -hmm. 
back then and I was always surrounded by men mm-hmm. and felt a lot of time uncomfortable sharing what I don't know. Right. It's hard to get a, a voice or actually even a seat at the table. But even if you have a seat at the table, sometimes you don't have the voice because it's not as inclusive as we would like it to be, right? Yeah, back then, I wasn't even thinking about a seat at the table. I just wanted to learn and, <laughs> and, and grow as a software engineer. And I felt a lot of times uncomfortable even reaching out and asking because the, I guess the environment was competitive, mm-hmm. uh, ego-driven. Again, not for bad intention. I work with very good people, but yeah. it was very muscular and and kind of, you know, happened to be that way, right? That, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times I felt insecure and uncomfortable to share, you know, anything, anything that, that I don't know, to be vulnerable. I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. And mm-hmm. it hurt me, right? Because if you want to learn, you need to be able to open up and, and share what you don't know. So, you know, if you fast forward to here you are today, obviously doing work in a, in a much different way than you were then, uh, you're spreading sort of like all the, the great things that you learned along the way so that other women um, could have a, a seat at the table, hopefully today, yeah. much more than they did then. So you do a lot of mentoring. Why, why do you think mentorship is important? Wow, from so many reasons. I think, first of all, um, it's really important to have a role model, someone you can look up to and see that it is possible to advance your career. So, for example, I started a mentorship program with Power to Fly, and and intentionally it was, you know, when when it was started, it was women mentoring women. Now it's a little bit more broad to underrepresent talent, but it started as women mentoring women, and I was insisting that the mentors will be women. And, and then the feedback I got was incredible. Like women who were mentored said, wow, the experience of having a female mentor was so different. I felt so comfortable. It's not to say that men are not good mentors, but it's really important to have a role model and someone that you can relate to on a personal level and you can feel, fun, you know, you can, you can feel comfortable to open up. Yeah, no, I so agree with you. Um, a few years back, I've done lots of programs like most entrepreneurs. Every year I'm learning something new, taking a new yeah. certification class. And about three three or four years ago, I, I went to a program that I had been uh, applying to year after year at Stanford. It was a, this Latino scale-up program for businesses that were doing you know a $2 million or more in revenue. I really wanted to scale the business. I said, this would be a great program for me to be in. And to your point, I mean, there was probably about 80 businesses in the program, um, all Latino owned from all over South America. But yeah, having that, uh, having a group of people that have experienced or walked down that same road as you and experienced the same challenges, definitely, I can attest to that as a, as a minority, it definitely helped me in a lot of ways. And I've had other mentors that were completely different than me in my life help me in different ways as well. So again, not to say that one is better than the other, but they sort of give you different, different views yeah. of, of the whole broad picture of life. So I, I love that you're talking about that. Cause I, I sort of feel that way. Often I tell my wife that I say, look, I, 
I wish you'd come on the podcast and just do a whole series because you're a woman and there are things that you're going to be able to identify with that I can be the most empathetic guy and I could even call myself a feminist. But at the end of the day, a woman is a woman is going to know better, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. And second, you have someone that can give you confidence, that can Mm -hmm. believe in you and can push you forward. Someone that can keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. And give you a piece of advice when you need one. This is yeah. really important. Yeah. And I see that um, from women I'm mentoring. It's, it's so important. First, they need someone to believe in them, someone to push them, someone to mm-hmm. give them confidence that they are capable. And yeah, sometimes they, they are not sure what to do. And we talk about it and I help them make a decision of mm-hmm. different challenges that they have. Absolutely. So, you know, you talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and we all in business, small or medium, large, we're all talking about that because it's, it's just a topic that's out there and it's not taboo anymore to talk about these things, whether it's women, whether it's African-Americans or mm-hmm. Latinos, Asian, whatever, and different groups, right? But implementing it is the thing that is not as clear. So how can companies build an inclusive culture? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, they need to start from the top. <laughs> the, need top has to, the top has to be diverse. Mm-hmm. If all the people sitting at the exec table are white men, mm-hmm. it's very hard to build an inclusive culture, not because they are bad people, is because they have a very single view of things. So I think it started at the top to have a diverse group of people, of leaders. So they will bring diverse views to the table. And then it really starts with being conscious, being conscious about different people from different background and being sensitive to how they feel. And it's Mm. not easy, it's not easy. I'll give you just an example. I, throughout my career, I I worked mostly predominantly with men Mm -hmm. and I managed also many years. And every time I was, uh, we're doing some activity, I had to choose something I didn't like because I was managing men and they wanted to go baseball. They wanted to do (laughs) archery, uh, axe throwing. I don't know what, (laughs) like crazy stuff. And I, I uh, did that because, yeah, I wanted people to connect and to have fun. Yeah, sure. But they didn't necessarily enjoy that or, uh-huh. you know. So that's just a simple example. When you organize an activity, you want to make sure everyone feel that they are connected. Everyone can enjoy that. Yeah. And it's not always easy. It's not always yeah. easy. And this is just a simple example, but it could be way more complicated than that if some people are disabled or whatever, I mean, um, we're doing one of the activities that was most impactful that I did from one of my teams. Uh, we, we did an offsite in Colorado, back then I used to live in Colorado and we did rafting. Oh, nice. And one of the people from my team was a big person. Mm-hmm. And we have to choose, we have to really think about it, right? Ahead of time. How is this person going to be able to participate? Mm-hmm. We checked. So think about those things. You need to really be considerate and think about how every person is able 
to feel like they belong, enjoy and participate. That's right. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's the, the, the world we live in by and large part, no matter where you are around the globe, most people want that, that sort of inclusion. Um, even if you haven't experienced any sort of discrimination, depending on what group you're in. Um, but I think what we're working with today is that there's a lot of companies that feel like they don't want to be, um, or leaders for that matter, who are not going to buy in because maybe they have a different ideology, Lee Moore, and they're saying, you know what, I'm not into that woke culture. And to me, that's just BS. I mean, it's, it, that's not what it's about. It's not about woke culture. It's about being inclusive, which is always a good thing, you know, but, but I know, I know in the circles that I'm in, that's what I hear. Some people saying like leaders saying, I'm not going to adopt, I'm not going to be Patagonia. I'm not going to be Ben and Jerry's and put Colin Kaepernick on my ice cream. Um, and I'm not going to do that because I'm not in business to be the voice of, of equality. And I said, why not? Why wouldn't you be? Well, because then we're going to alienate my base. And it's like, are you running for office or are you a company? You know, and I think the best example of that is uh, clearly Disney. You know, Disney embodies that. And, and I'm not like a huge Disney fan, even though I live right here close to Orlando. But Disney does it in a big way. And when they make a mistake, they, they own up. Like recently, they made obviously the big mistake to go against the, the governor of Florida here. And it was a back and forth with the don't say gay mm -hmm. bill. But the CEO came out and said, like, look, we were wrong. We should have stood up for the gay community, you know. And so I, it's just, again, regardless of what your politics or your values and all that is, to me, it's just good business to be inclusive. So all, everything that you're talking about to me makes so much sense. But if you're a small company and you're worried about that being labeled a, a, a woke culture uh, a leader, what, what, what do you do? Like, what, what, what do you tell those people, Lee Moore? Uh, I think it starts with the mindset, mm -hmm. being open-minded to different voices, different opinions, and being, being very sensitive and empathetic to different people. Mm -hmm. And as I said, you need to have really, not just talk about it, but do it. And make sure that you put that as a priority to diversita, diversify your team. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy. It's easier said than done. And when you start building a diverse team, things will start happening. If the yeah. team is very homogenous, it will be more difficult. Yeah, I think the, the tech industry definitely demonstrates that every day and probably the biggest way when it comes to if you if you compare all the different industries that are out there tech typically understands that to build a good if it's a SaaS product whatever it is an app you have to make it as accessible and ubiquitous as you can you know now of course a lot of those guys are doing enough for altruistic you know reasons they they just want to make sure they get to 100 million and then exit right Nothing wrong with that either, but they understand that in broad terms, they need to make sure that everyone can have a great user experience, which to me, I'm in the marketing side of things. Mm -hmm. I know that we start with empathy, like let's paint this sort of picture in a customer journey, like at every step, these different segments 
how are they going to experience the product, the customer experience, all of that. And, and then by asking those questions and then talking to the clients, you make it better for everyone. Um, but not everybody wants to do that, which to me doesn't make sense. A, a, a good example, Limor, is the Americans with Disability Act, the ADA. I mean, that's been around for 30 plus years here in the US. And really only in the last five years has it been really enforced online, meaning websites that have to be ADA compliant. Yeah. I'm telling you, you know, the software, actually, there's a company out of Israel, um, Accessibi. Yeah, you Accessibi. know them. Yeah, I met yeah. them actually. Yeah, yeah, they're great guys. And we work with them and we offer their product for all our clients for next to nothing. And we said, look, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to make your website accessible. Believe it or not, there are people who said, you know what, that's not my problem. And I'm thinking like, wow, I'm really so glad you don't say that in public because you should care whether you people can care, ac yeah. access your website or not. It's good marketing. It's good business. It's good for the community. And so I don't, I don't see why uh, leaders can't, can't really get buy into that. And so I think, Having a voice like yours, someone who's been in tech and, and is, is out there teaching companies how to do it is, is such a great way. So what would be like the first step if you're coming into a company who says, look, I don't even know if we are inclusive with, my, with the employees, with the customers, with the community, like what's like step one for you? Ask. If you're not sure, you need to get a, <laughs> you need to get a clear picture of where you stand. And the best way to do it is just, uh, you know, send um do a survey, both mm -hmm. internal and external, and hear the voices of your your team. Mm -hmm. Usually, it's anonymous, right? I mean, that's the best way to do it. Okay. And under and understand where you stand. You need to you need to know where you are, and mm -hmm. then you need to figure out how to fix the problems. And if you don't know how to fix them, find someone who does. Find someone who can help you. Is there something I, I'm 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 not sure if there is or not. Is there a um, a system out there that uh, that scores companies on how inclusive they are because I know for environment like ESG and there's a, a lot of other movements that can like score your company on how, mm. like where you are. Is there anything out there like that that you know? Of? I don't know. You know what? I haven't checked, but it's a good uh, <laughs> it's a good question. I'll check after our conversation if there's anything like that. If not, you can build the score. You can build the scoring <laughs> systems. Like if you answered yes to these, you get a five or you get a 10. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's so important definitely for, for the world that we're living in. It's to me, it's a, there's a line between inclusion and, and kindness and just being all around good, promoting peace at a time where there's so much instability around the world, right? Absolutely. So let's let's shift the conversation to work from home because that's a hot topic and you know a lot about that and it's mm -hmm. very very hard to I think a lot of first a lot of small businesses who are pushing back and they're hearing leaders like you know an Elon Musk who's saying to their to the workforce hey we don't care how well you could work from home you're coming back to the office if you don't like it there's a door I mean, that doesn't sound too inclusive um, but. What, what are we changing or was this just sort of a moment and people are just going to have to come back to the office anyways? I definitely think that things have changed and they will never go back to what they were. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned, there are organizations that are, you know, that we already see adapting remote mm -hmm. work. And some of them are like saying, yeah, you can work from anywhere for good. 
And some companies are not. I think it's about maturity of the company and its leaders and the, mm-hmm. their ability to trust. It all starts with trust. If someone wants their team members to be where, where you know, they can watch them, it means that they don't trust their employees. And a lot of companies have these trust issues. Oh, if they're not in the office, they're not going to work as much. Which, in my opinion, it's the wrong way to look at that. You need to build a culture of excellence where people feel like they belong, where people are motivated, when they are connected to the company mission and values. And then the rest will follow. You don't need to chase them. And hire the right people. Hire the people who are motivated, who are joining you from the right reasons. And part ways with those who don't. Right. And I think it's a time, a a moment in time where for small to medium businesses, potentially it's an opportunity if you're able to, and if you have the systems in place to do remote offer, whether it's a hybrid or full, it's a way to bring on talent that you may not otherwise be able to attract, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It opens up a lot of possibilities for you to hire people think about just the US, it's so big. And and when I was working in office, it was like, yeah, you have to, you are very limited to where you can hire. It's a 50 mile radius usually, or something like that, that you have to look for people or relocate, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And you have to commute. I used to commute an hour at least each, you know, each way. And it's, it's exhausting. It's impacting your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that I don't see the value in, uh, in, in face-to-face and personal connection, but it's, it's not mandatory. And, and it's allowing you, again, as I mentioned, you can hire, think about, for entire U.S. or, you know, either other countries, depending on the company and its, you know, policies and all that. But even U.S., like, it's huge, Right. Mm-hmm. So it opens up the possibility for you to hire and you have access to much larger talent pool. Right. Yeah. I think like you said, I mean, I think it's here to stay, whether, whether companies like it or not. And the people who, who aren't going to accept it, the, the talent, they're just going to go elsewhere because once you get you a know? taste, once you get a taste of freedom, I think that's what most entrepreneurs can attest to that. Yeah. Great. You can make millions of dollars. You can get all the accolades, but beyond everything is owning your time, having your freedom. Oh, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. And uh, I see that also here in Israel, uh, companies really adapted remote work or hybrid work. Mm -hmm. And those who don't, it will be very hard for them to keep people around because people really, it is very important for employees to have that flexibility. That's one of the top things that people are looking for uh, when they're considering a new job, whether mm-hmm. the workplace is flexible and they allow the flexibility of coming to the office or working from home. And it also saves companies a lot of money because they need less office space. It, it, it's, it's better really for beneficial. the environment. Yeah, yeah better it's for the beneficial also for the companies, not just yeah. for the employees. That's right. I, I saw a funny uh, uh, meme the other day it was the 
an ad with the price of gasoline and in, in California it was like seven, seven fifty, almost eight dollars a gallon. And it said, well, we know this is the work from home uh, sort of uh, a posse out there who's th this is their like ad for, you know, to basically destroy going back to the office. This is their marketing tactic is to just say, like, look, gas is expensive in, in many places, you know, two, three hundred percent what it was just about a yeah. year ago. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. So I almost feel like if you're an employer at this moment in time around the world, I know the gas prices are, are high. It's kind of, uh, are you going to pay more? Are you going to, you know, give them like money for gas? What are you going to do? Because that's something to consider as well. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's a combination. As you mentioned, it's the gas prices, it's the commute time, mm -hmm. it's the housing prices that went really up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And people are, uh, I know that a lot of people, when this remote work started, they looked for cheaper places. A mm -hmm. lot of people moved out of California to more affordable locations because they could work remote. So it's also allowing people to choose where they want to live. Mm -hmm. And potentially they can live in a more affordable location or close to their families. Where before that, they really had to choose where they live according to the work location. That's true. Well, before we wrap up this episode, Limor, I want to ask you a question, which I think you, you are well positioned to, to offer us some good advice, especially for the young young millennials and Gen Z's who are out there and they're working, they've been out there and they want to get that promotion. There's lots of ways that you can go about a promotion, but what would you say are like your top strategies for going after a promotion? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, know what you, know what you want. I think that's the first thing that I usually work with people to understand, to kind of create a career strategy mm -hmm. and understand where they want to grow. Then the second thing will be to figure out what are the gaps? What are they missing? And they can do that by simply asking, getting feedback, asking their manager, working with the HR business partner, with their peers, getting feedback about their strengths and areas that maybe they're lacking mm -hmm. and, and build a plan, build a plan with their manager. It's their manager job to support them. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I would say Start executing in the next level before you get promoted. Take initiatives. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of times saying, oh, I'm not a manager yet, so how can I manage? Well, you don't have to manage. You need to exercise leadership in order to show that you are made of a kind of a leader and you can be a good manager. Solve difficult problems. Help with identifying interpersonal challenges, team collaborations, you know, even things that, you know, you don't have to manage people in order to be a leader. That's just an example. Mm -hmm. So start operating at the next level. Prove that you can do it. Take initiatives. I like that. I think that's the big one for me right there. Take initiatives when I'm looking at my teams and, and seeing who has the potential to go to the next level. I tell my kids the same thing. I said, look, if, if you're walking by the house and you or even in public, and you see a little piece of paper or garbage on the floor. And clearly it, it shouldn't be on the floor. You should just pick it up and put it where it's supposed to be. If you walk by that once, two, three times, and I see you're not taking the initiative 
to do something that just because it's not your responsibility doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that kind of tells me that you're the kind of person that is just kind of worried about like your day, your path, and that's it. So um, I agree with you that it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, uh, very, very difficult things. It could be even the smallest things to let that manager know that like, listen, I mean, business, I can solve small and big problems. And then that's the way to have that, that conversation about promotion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. Limor, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you, you want to leave us with here today? Yeah, it was great talking with you today. I want to leave the people with just where I started, that I was classified. Don't classify yourself. Identify your strength, your core values, and your passions. And, and, and work on figuring out what's there for you. And there are multiple things you can do. Don't limit yourselves. I love it. Very positive message. Lee Moore Bergman, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me. It's been a pleasure. 